Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is Wisconsin's Morning News. Here's your host, Vince Petrano. I'm not going to talk Aaron Rodgers all morning. My God, are you still talking? Well, okay, but but there was news-ish. Yeah, a little bit. The Alan Lazard move kind of moves the needle. Right. And that's just a report at this point, but it looks like the Jets are working to acquire one of Aaron Rodgers' favorite top, uh, t- targets in this, Alan Lazard, who's a free agent this year. This so different is already deal done, man. That. This is already done. He's well, just waiting till some of his buddies get signed, and then he'll come along. It's funny. I see a combination, and I hear a combination of things when I'm out with people, of people wanting to talk about it, but they want to talk about how sick they are of it. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I, I am personally exhausted with it, but I know folks wake up, but they might just tune in, and they want to know if there's Aaron Rodgers news. And so I'm not sure what the right thing to do is, because even the fact that there's no real hard news on Rodgers right. is still kind of news. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Who knows? I don't know. I don't care. Whatever. Yeah, whatever. Hank Hill. So... You know, Matzik was up early with us this morning. Uh, regular sports guy Brandon out today, so Matzik picked it up from home. Dude, how's your tongue? <laughs> <laughs> so he was walking us through all the reports, the sourced reporting that's out there on Twitter. And Twitter has certainly changed the game in terms of how we report on movements and things like that. It used to be quote unquote report, but go well, ahead. Well, right. And Greg's point was. Some of these guys have league sources. Some of these guys have team sources. Not many, but maybe one guy has Aaron Rodgers as his source. And, and it, that's it does seem like that's Trey Wingo. And this guy used to be ESPN guy. Mm-hmm. Now he's podcast guy, right? Yeah. Yes. Did he get whacked at ESPN or what's uh, his deal? Yeah, something like that. Contract didn't get renewed. Something around that. But he has accurately, he's done some accurate reporting on Rodgers in terms of what he was saying in those early tweets was what ultimately came to fruition, which has led a lot of folks to believe that uh, Rodgers may have his ear. You know, he might be whispering in his ear, and that if there is actual Aaron Rodgers-sourced reporting, that it's coming from Trey Wingo. And Wingo was reporting yesterday afternoon that it was a done deal. So you have Alan Lazard now in talks with the Jets. It's just a formality now. That's what we're at. Well, some folks question that because you had Rob Domofsky, whom I, I know. I know Rob when he got started at the Green Bay Press-Gazette years ago when I was working in Green Bay. He's uh, ESPN Green Bay, Rob Domofsky, posting to Twitter just before the Trey Wingo tweet. This is what he said yesterday. We're an hour away for the start of free agent negotiating period. I'm told neither the Packers nor the Jets know what Aaron Rodgers is going to do. I think both things could be true because one guy's talking to Rodgers and one guy, Domofsky, is talking to team officials. Who are you thinking about talking to? It's not me. I'm fine. <laughs> so one guy's talking to these guys. Somebody else is talking to these guys. Still, we have no hard news to report on what Rodgers is going to actually do. However, something was tweeted by number 12 just a few hours ago. So everyone's looking for, will he announce it on Twitter? Will he go on the McAfee podcast Which and could be that? today. Right. But we do have something actually from Aaron Rodgers. And he knows. Everybody's waiting to see. What's he going to do? What's he going to do? What's he going to do? And he said he wouldn't draw it out. He said it wouldn't be a long process. He said an answer (laughs) is coming soon. So now he has finally taken to Twitter overnight and posted something from Aaron Rodgers. He said, Sue. 
Do you have it up? How many U's did he put in there? I think there's three U's, all caps. S-U-U-U-L. And then three laughy faces? Yeah, some laughy faces. Yep, you're right. What does that mean? Well, I think I know what it means. It means uh, Rasul Douglas, of course, right? So was he responding to something that Rasul Douglas had yeah, done? Yeah, because they had been kind of tweeting about... And, there was some well, back and forth. Yeah, Rasul had been talking about Aaron, yada, 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 back and forth. Talked about maybe even having his phone. Oh, I had his phone when he was in the darkness, so I'll tweet stuff from it. Oh, so, like, okay. there's some oh, jokes right. there. Because I thought he said Zool. There is no Dana. There is only Zool. But <laughs> <laughs> you thought it was a reference... To an old movie from 1984. There is no Dana, only soul. <laughs> what a lovely singing voice you must have. I actually did when you said he tw- tweeted someone like, Z- was he doing Ghostbusters? Yeah, that would have been great. It would have been great. That would have been fantastic. So no news is good news on Aaron Rodgers' watch. It has to be today, right? I don't see how it's not. I, Me personally, though, I don't think he's holding anyone hostage. Like, I, I feel like everyone already knows what's happening here, and it's just a formality. And this concern that he's, like, screwing over the Packers, what I think the Packers know exactly what's happening. Mark Murphy basically alluded to it the other day. And the Jets haven't been trying to get any other quarterbacks. I don't think they're just holding – that's not how you do business. You don't just hope and pray. That's not a good strategy for a GM. <laughs> that's not a strategy, right. So so they know they have them, and now they're just, for whatever reason, I, I don't know why – why there would be this big drawn out. If it's to make sure Lazard locks in, Cobby, who knows? Things got to get worked out. Though. Yeah. So you're thinking everybody on board knows exactly what's going to happen, yes. including Aaron Rodgers. And yes. now everyone's just sort of being coy. <laughs> no, Sean Went is not involved in the negotiation. <laughs> he should be, though. <laughs> on the old My National gosh. Bank talk and text line, 855-616-1620, old National Bank, get old. So I got on the phone and I called Sean Went. That's what someone said. I said, Sean, I need some help. Gotta lock him in. Call Sean Went. No. Again, that might be outside of Sean Went's area. He's Greater Fond du Lac, so I yeah. don't know if he does any negotiating the or scope. any business up in Green Bay. <laughs> if that doesn't make sense to you, you need to listen to the podcast. Where can they? Where can they find the podcast? Pancake. Everywhere you get your podcast. Very nice. Apple, Spotify, Twitch. So if you need to know what the whole Sean Went conversation is, because if you're a fan of the program, you have to you have to be in on that. Mm-hmm. So he's he's now a character. We've declared him friend of the program, even though Bullseye. he's never actually been on the show. But if you're curious about that, uh, definitely look it up on the podcast. That's up there along with everything else. So you were asking, the, like we were talking about, you just remain fascinated by how quickly Green Bay fans are ready to dismiss Aaron Rodgers. Well, I just feel like... And almost th- angrily. It seems like it happens a lot. Like it happened with Favre, too. Like turning... Turning the backs on our heroes, like we just kind of ah, this guy sucks, hate him. I feel it was it was more split with Favre. It was like a fifty fifty, and some of that was over whose fault it was. And I don't see that right now in this conversation with Green Bay. With Favre, it was an ugly, nasty, semi public divorce mm-hmm. of whose fault this all was. The you retired, but then you unretired. Well, they didn't really want me, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> but how is this one different? It sounds like the Packers are ready to move on, right? I just don't think there's the vitriol between the sides necessarily. And I do feel like it's way more Aaron Rodgers, thank you, goodbye. Well, no, but, like, it was for but Favre. fans like cannot stand him. 
It's like funny. no one is talking about Rodgers and smiling. <laughs> like, no one is like remembering the good days uh, or the good years or the amazing things. Everyone's like, duh. That time we won the Super bomb. Bowl. Yes. Ah. I bet I bet you if I if I have 855-616-1620 experiment 855-616-1620 is the old national bank talk and text line old national bank get old. I'll just put it out there. What would you like to say to Aaron Rodgers today? It's going to be 80-20. Adios muchacho. 80-20 bad is how it's going to break. If I had a face to face with him, what would I say? It probably be more of a I'd be curious as to, like, what's the delay? <laughs> that would be my question. I just want to know the logistics of all of this. Uh, would you give see. him a thank you? Yeah, I, I think there's a thank you in there. Sure. Thank you for being pretty so, a so, pretty awesome football so player. So you'd, you'd be nice to him in your, if you had one thing you could say. Okay, well, all right. If you're asking folks, if you're face-to-face with him, what are you going to say to his face? That's different than what do you want to say right okay, now. Okay, you're, okay. <laughs> I think that's a different experiment. <laughs> I did hear someone say one time I was at a Mac Fun event that Rogers was at, and a guy had you know met Aaron Rodgers and was in line for a picture. He must have given a donation or something like that. And he said, "Ah, oh, yeah, I thought you'd be taller." And Rod got real uncomfortable because Rogers said, "Yeah, I actually don't appreciate that." Okay, <laughs> and I was like, "Stick it to him." I'll just go over here and grab a drink. Eight nineteen on Wisconsin's morning news. The old National Bank talk and text line is eight five five six one six one six twenty. What do you want to say to Aaron Rodgers today? It's next on Wisconsin's morning news. Eight twenty two on Wisconsin's morning news. Old National Bank talk and text line is eight five five six one six one six twenty. Old National Bank, get old. What do you want to say to Aaron Rodgers today? I told you, it's amazingly, eighty twenty. Hey, every text on the has been good luck. We love you. We'll miss you. That's what every text has been so no, far. No, that is not accurate. That is not an accurate representation. Of okay. the talk and text line. Here's just a sampling from the old National Bank talk and text line. Aaron, don't let the door hit your fanny. Here's Kay. another one. Aaron, your God persona will not be missed. Okay. Bing. Here's one. I would say to Aaron Rodgers, do you enjoy putting us fans through this? <laughs> will you or you want to do this every year? Good luck on your future team. Peace out, homie. Uh, here's one. Thank you for your time and dedication for all these years, but if you don't want to stay, it's time for you to go. We have someone who needs to either prove himself or lead us in a new direction. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, thanks for the memory. Sorry the Green Bay Packers couldn't build a Super Bowl team around you again. Okay, so that's a nice, that one that's kinda, a positive. That, that one kind of goes the other what way. What is it, 9-1? to one? <laughs> Aaron, why weren't you more of a team player like the GOAT, Mr. Brady? Ten Perhaps to one. then we would have won more Super Bowls. Thanks for holding our organization hostage. Peace out, Kelly Eleven boy. <laughs> I would tell Aaron Rodgers that his next girlfriend should be Ryan Braun. They deserve each other. They need to be together again. Two peas in what? a pod. <laughs> I don't know if that's fair. Not sure if Ryan Braun and Aaron Rodgers are at the same smugness level. Got some phone calls on this eight five five six one six one six twenty. I want to start with uh, Brian in Waukesha. Good morning, Brian. Hey, good morning, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, what do you think? I, I, I'm still kind of I'm still kind of hung up on that last one about Braun, but uh, <laughs> yeah, right. Let's move on. Hey, yeah. I, I'm disappointed to see him go. I, I think it's, it's kind of sad that so many people have turned on him. I get it, but at the same time, I mean, we've been very fortunate with Green Bay Packer football for like 30 years. So, you know, I'm sorry to see him go if he does go, and I wish him well if he, you know, if he does. Uh, Brian, thank you. So there's a nice uh, one for see? you, Eric. All right. All right. Sorry to see him go. Let's go to uh, Green Bay and Chris. Morning, Chris. 
Good morning. Thanks for having me. Uh, what are you guys talking about up there? Well, I don't know what they're all talking about. I was born and raised in Green Bay. One of my kids actually got Aaron to sign his his personal item one day at a restaurant. But after all these years, you know, I would say to him, Aaron, love you, man. Thanks for the memories. See ya. Uh, (laughs) Only because it's the drama. It's the the pseudo-spirituality moments, the media lauding over him and him you know, finding his joy in the darkness and all this garbage. I am so done with it. So he hasn't delivered. It's been a long time, you know, and and he hasn't been there for his teammates. It was the other guy's fault. And he's, uh, he's just not what he was. I wish him well, but it is time to move on. Uh, good call. Thanks, Chris. Uh, appreciate that. That's Chris in Green Bay. One more here quick. Uh, Jim in La Crosse. Morning, Jim. Good morning, gentlemen. Hey, what do you Great think? show, always. I I would look him right in the face, and I'd say, arrogant, if you care anything about the team and the fans, you'd man up and move on. <laughs> it might be what's happening. <laughs> yeah, it might be exactly. Jim, thank you. Glad you listened to the show out west, western part of the state. Here's Lacrosse one. checking in. I love it. From the old National Bank talk and text line, Godspeed and call your mother. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> bing, bing. Uh, from the 262, thanks, Aaron. Good luck to you. From Sussex, Julie says, see ya. Um, Aaron would just like to say thanks. Unfortunate this couldn't be worked out. That from the 414. Uh, Danica reference. I was waiting for that. Danica Patrick. Danica broke him. It's time to go. I don't know about that. I know Danica Patrick fan ever since she dumped on Wisconsin. Because remember, she was coming to the Milwaukee Mile. Okay, back up. Danica Patrick, IndyCar racer, was an NASCAR racer. No, wait, other other way around. No, she was, started. She started. Right, she Indy. started open wheel racing. Yeah. Right, then went into yes. NASCAR. Never won anything, I don't think. I think her best finish was fourth. But yeah. anyway, it was an intriguing international sports yep, yep, celebrity, yep. right, in the racing world. She's had a good career. Dated Rogers for quite some mm-hmm. time. She's from Beloit. Yes. Well, ish. She's from right over the border in Illinois. She was born in Beloit. Okay. Because that's where the hospital was. So it was like close enough that uh, that was the hospital. Okay, okay. And when she was coming to the Milwaukee Mile as a NASCAR driver, and she was asked about, well, hey, you're back back in your home state, whatever. She like went way out of her way to like be like, no, I'm from Illinois. <laughs> like I was born in I was born in Wisconsin, but we went right back across the border. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm done with you. <laughs> yeah. You're all personal. You take silly things like that. Don't talk to me like that. (laughs) One more call here before you hit the break. Uh, Let's go to uh, Justin in Menominee Falls. Hi, Justin. Hey, how you guys doing? Uh, Doing well. What do you think on the uh, Aaron Rodgers here? What do you got to say? Hello. I got you, Justin. Can you hear me? What do you got to say? Got a major delay on his phone right, right uh, there. Sorry Coach. about that, Justin. Got to turn that radio down. Yeah, uh, let's radio see here. Down, Bob and Walkshaw. Aaron, all the best. Packer fans are blind to the business and brutal. I hope other team fans are different. Wow. Bob going after the Packers fans there. Here's one from the 262. There is no I in team. Find time to go to a non-mandatory practice and help build a team that will help you win MVP. Not the... Not <laughs> Uh, okay, it's there's some typos in the rest of that. I'm just going to let the rest of that go. Guy from Green Bay said it all. 8.28 on Wisconsin's Morning News.
could not. 831 on Wisconsin's Morning News. Somebody texted in. Yeah, so we're taking text. What would you say to Aaron Rodgers if you had a chance to tell him something? This one from the 414. Aaron, what number jersey will you wear? So I asked the stupid question. I'm like, why? Do they have a 12 right now? No, Joe Namath. Yeah, Namath was 12. So they have no... They have no 12, right? Didn't they retire it? Mm-hmm. Retired, but Pancake says that they would be willing to unretire 12. So, sportsillustrated.com, back in January. So now I have to correct myself. The organization did not say they would unretire it, but Joe Namath himself ah, okay. said they could <laughs> unretire the number for 12 if he came. So, unretire it and then re-retire it? What do you think of that? Is that what that would do? That's happened before. Right, you can wear 12, but nobody else wears 12. And then when you're done, re-retire it for, for Namath. Yeah. I think that's fair. And his fur coat. <laughs> that's retired as well. See, knowing Rogers, he'd probably wear the fur coat to the press conference. Wouldn't that be hilarious? He just starts doing a bunch of Namath stuff. Total disrespect for like any of the history of the Jets <laughs> or anything like that. He's like Costanza at the Yankees when he was wearing around Babe Ruth's jersey. <laughs> yeah. He got strawberries on it. Yeah, yes. Yeah, exactly. Same, same kind of stuff. 832 for the WTMJ. Last one here. Just, I'll give you one more. Uh, from Dave, don't let the doorknob hit you, Aaron. Too much drama. I think that pretty much sums up most of the text. I told you it was at least, that was at least, was I right? At least 80 20 against. Uh, I'd say negative. maybe 70 30. Oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thirty-seven on Wisconsin's morning news. I'm gonna change gears here, get serious here for a moment, just because we have so much interesting sound to get through. From I'm gonna declare him friend of the program. One of my high school buddies, Jeremy Scahill. We had him on last week to talk about the Oscars because his documentary was uh, nominated for a 2003 Academy Award. But uh, he's a war correspondent, investigative journalist. He writes for a publication that he founded called The Intercept. And he's actually overseas right now, lives in Croatia, and has been covering the war in Ukraine. And he had just so many interesting things to say uh, about that. But the topper this morning is President Biden's budget calling for a record amount of defense spending, more than $800 billion and $600 billion in additional funding for Ukraine and then other allies as that nation's war with Russia rages on. You also have uh, the Ron DeSantis news, uh, governor of Florida widely believed to be running for president, has basically said this is not the right strategy for the U.S. to keep bolstering Ukraine. It's not in our interest. And then you can make the arguments of whether we ought to act in our interest or the interest of humanity, and all of those things are enveloped in this war that's now gone past a year. And just, I don't know, my takeaway in talking with Scahill was that he he really divides up the two sides of this pretty well. I think anyone with compassion for the people of Ukraine can say we can't stand by and let this country be overrun by Russia for a couple of reasons. One, just as I mentioned, for humanity's sake, you can't allow people to just get slaughtered. And two, it's really bad policy to allow Russia to just run roughshod over other independent nations and have that go unchecked. And what it could lead to down the line. As many have said, we've seen this movie before. Appeasement doesn't work when you have, you know, rulers hell-bent on taking over the world. And, you know, you start, you give a little bit, you give a little bit, and we see what happens, of course, hearkening back to World War II. So there's that. But also, if you really are 
concerned about the well-being of the people of Ukraine is extending this war by continuing to prop them up, actually causing them more pain. And ultimately, will this have to come to a negotiated peace anyway? And so do we merely just prolong that? So there's no other resolution, essentially. It, it would have to be some type of negotiated ending anyway. Why wait three more years? Just do it now. Is one of Scahill's points. Okay. Is what's going to happen? Ukraine's going to overrun Russia? Total surrender? And then, like, like, how does that end? Of course, that's No one thinks that's going to happen. So his point is, ultimately, you're going to have to negotiate a peace here. Granted, on which terms would be interesting, mm-hmm. but what he's saying, or at least asking the question about, is ought we not do that sooner rather than later? Let me play you a little bit. Uh, this is about a minute-long uh, piece from our interview with uh, Jeremy Scahill, war correspondent overseas right now. The Ukrainian people deserve the world's support and solidarity, but on a strategic level, at some point, you have to ask, uh, what is the clearest path to stopping the slaughter? And, and I think that in our discourse, it's unfortunate right now that some of the more, more loony Republicans are kind of the ones voicing prominent opposition to Biden's policy, because actually all Americans should care about this. This is a nuclear power that is being uh, provoked right now, and it's waging an illegal war. I think Putin should stand trial for war crimes. But on a human level, we, we really have to start thinking, how do we bring an end to this that saves as many Ukrainian lives as possible? and doesn't reward Putin for invading his neighbor and butchering thousands of civilians. You, and, and those are complicated questions, um, but I think it's, it's, we, we have to have that debate because our weapons are at the forefront of that war. So that's Jer- Jeremy Scahill, Milwaukee, and Wauwatosa kid, now war correspondent, investigative reporter, living in Croatia right now, talking about what's at stake in the war. Anything else stand out to you on that? I mean, just we, we talked to Jeremy for what, at least 10 minutes on Ukraine? Mm-hmm. Well, the one thing that he had mentioned a couple of times is just the, the realization of what is actually happening there and how that can be like kind of filtered through the news, too. Like, I mean, it's, it's, it's nightmarish. Yeah. On almost a daily basis, especially on the eastern portion of that country. And he also indicated it's easy for us sitting here in America to, be, to debate this from a geopolitical standpoint. Right. Like, what does it mean for us? What does it mean about Russia? Mm-hmm. What does it mean about the autonomy of nations? All those things. But, like, for people like him who are living nearby, I mean, he's in Croatia. Um, he said he recently visited Germany and another European nation where they're, like, very concerned about the prospects of either nuclear war or one of these missiles that's being fired into Ukraine so damaging a nuclear plant there that you'll have fallout that way. You have some sort of toxic cloud that could possibly go over Europe. So their concerns are very real and a little bit different than ours. And it's uh, a tendency of the U.S. geographically removed from it to simply debate this in terms of its politics. You also heard him mention loony Republicans. Um, I'll play you the cut, too, where he says Democrats have a tough time with this one, too. People have asked me from time to time because they know Jeremy or... They know Jeremy's work and they know I know him, you know, like, what are his personal politics? I don't call Jeremy right nor left. He has no home. He thinks everybody in charge of everything is corrupt in some way. (laughs) So, like, And he's probably not wrong. You won't pigeonhole him into being right or left. He is both uh, elevated and despised Mm -hmm. by people on both sides of the political respect. That's right where he should be. I introduced him at a talk once and I I said the, the great thing about Jeremy's reporting is he doesn't care who he pisses off. He just doesn't. I don't care. 
my dad had him in Latin class. I asked my dad about him as a student. And in my dad's Latin class, if folks know Joe Vitrano's Latin class at Tosa East, sometimes they talked about Latin. <laughs> okay. So my dad was entirely ripe to be distracted by other things. But he basically said, like, Jeremy is a disruptor. That's his whole purpose in being in my class. And he wasn't disrespectful about it, but he said Jeremy's mission every day when he came to class was just to see if he could get me off track and start talking about something that was more interesting mm -hmm. to him. Sure. <laughs> Whether it was the Romans doing this or whatever, yeah, right? Yeah, sure. So that's how I describe him in his personal politics. He's just a disruptor. He wants to go in and he wants to poke at the powerful. So to the point uh, that, that you were making, Eric, about how this debate plays out and how it's different for folks who are closer to it. Here's Scahill again on that. The Ukrainian people deserve the world's support and solidarity. But on a strategic level, at some point, you have to ask, uh, what is the clearest path to stopping the slaughter? You know, and also this happens on the left in the United States, where people tend to think of it just as like a, a geostrategic chess match, that the United States is the sort of villain behind the curtain. And there's truth to that, you know, of course, if you look at the history of U.S. covert operations and wars and Iraq and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, um, you know, and I've been in many war zones. Uh, if any of us faced a, a situation where a hostile power was coming in and trying to kill our families and take our homes, um, most human beings are going to resist and they're going to fight back. And, and that's what happened in Ukraine. Um, but when you then have major world powers getting involved that have their own agendas, are they centering the, as their priority? saving as many civilian lives as possible, or, or are we also part of continuing a war that should end? I just think it's fascinating. He breaks it down so easy to understand and puts it in real terms. So like, it's impossible for us to conceive of what if Canada were coming down and had deep incursions into Wisconsin, and like the solution that was suggested by other foreign powers is, well, look— We'll give them the UP, and we'll give them from, like, Highway 29 North, yeah, and they just get right? to have that now. And then, you know, so, so, so we can put an end to this. And you're like, whoa, hey, yeah. whoa. Me meanwhile, thousands, ah. thousands of us have lost our lives fighting right. back. I got family who live up yeah. there. What, they're not part of it? Like, right? Can you imagine? So it's not that simple. And I don't, kind of with him, like, I kind of throw my hands up and say, I don't know what's right. You don't want to placate Putin. You don't want to reward him for having attacked a, a sovereign nation. Mm -hmm. At the same time, you don't want the suffering in Ukraine to be extended any further. And if he's if he's right, and I believe he is, that at some point, whether it's next month or next year or three years from now, we're going to be negotiating a peace. But here. are we going to be doing that anyway? Right. That's meaning like so. If you say you negotiated tomorrow. We're still going to be negotiating right. again three years from now in some other area, some other entity that they're going to go after? I guess the only other way it ends is somehow from inside somebody takes out Putin. And then whoever's up next does a full withdrawal back to the, Russia's original mm -hmm. borders. I suppose there's that possibility. And maybe that's the waiting game that we continue yeah. to play out. Assassinations don't always end up well, going right. well for the history of the world. Careful about the next guy up. He might be worse than the first. There's Whoa. a lot of precedent for that. 847 on Wisconsin's Morning News. Eight fifty one on Wisconsin's Morning News. You like my tax story from today, huh? Yeah, it was a good tax tip. <laughs> Did you know you have to pay taxes on stuff you stole? <laughs> you do. It's in the tax code. So if I steal a vehicle or two vehicles... Steal yourself a couple of Kias... Then I need to make sure that I include that 
yes, fair market value for those Kias needs to be claimed as income on your taxes. True. I've seen, I I feel like I, I knew this before, but it's like making the rounds again on social media. One of those things where somebody posted like the thing, the, the actual language in the tax code. It's IRS publication 525 on taxable and non-taxable income. And here's what it says. This is true. This sounds like something out of the onion. True. Income from illegal activities such as money from dealing illegal drugs must be included in your income on, and then it gives like the form 1040, line 8Z, <laughs> schedule C on the 1040. I want to meet someone who's done this before. Like, does this ever even happen? 855, who stole some stuff and didn't claim it on the taxes? <laughs> because the IRS will claim that they're not going to report you. Is that the idea? Also in the USA Today article that I was reading up on, uh, it said they, they interviewed a guy from the IRS and they wanted stats. Like, hey, how many people actually do this, claim this stuff? Yeah. Well, we don't, we don't really keep stats on that, which is not true. What? <laughs> it's the IRS. You don't keep stats on everything. But he did add, the federal tax law prevents federal employees from sharing tax return information. In other words, if you come correct to Uncle Sam, it's all good. We're not going to call the cops on you. We just want the money. We just want you to pay taxes on that haul from Ulta Beauty that you walked out with. $2,000 worth of shampoo and perfume. How do you know how much it's all worth? After you take it from Alta Beauty, do you need to wait until there's a police report on it, or do you ask? <laughs> do you actually ask? The, Did you the add teller, it up in the store? Hey, can you give me a receipt with this? You call them up. What's the and then he, my tax advisor said I need to know the wholesale value on these <laughs> on the following goods uh, for a friend. In detail, right? Because you don't want to pay retail fair market value. You could just you should just claim what it would cost you wholesale. And if you go to the Statue of Liberty dancing place. Do you tell them? Do, do they have an obligation to report you? Here's all the crap I stole this year. Um, right? <laughs> Can we make sure to get that in? I want to want to be upfront with Uncle yeah. Sam. Eight fifty three on Wisconsin's Morning News. WTMJ W two seven seven CV and WKTI HD two Milwaukee from the Annex Wealth Management Studios. This is News Radio WTMJ, a good karma brand station. Eight fifty-seven on Wisconsin's morning news. Ooh, hey, gotta ask Kafiti about the tree guy. Yes, tree okay. guy. All right, Mr. Mayor. Mm-hmm. So in Brooklyn, Wisconsin, remember the story where they had to move the polling place in Brooklyn, Wisconsin? This is south of Madison. Yeah, there, I do during the primary because mm-hmm. a guy fired his gun off near the polling place. He fired his gun because he thought someone was going to cut down his tree, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't that. <laughs> Turned out to be not that. Yeah, it was, uh, they were going to go take a different tree down, but the guy thought he was taking down this tree, which is pa- apparently the center of controversy. It's like near a property line. It's pushed up against a, a building. There's worries that there's a, it might get in the way of a, a gas line or whatever. Was there's, a, biz- there's a business that are his neighbors, and they're like, hey, you got to do something about your tree. Yeah, I saw the picture. Yeah, yeah. It's right yeah, up he's against not the, having yeah. it. So the Brooklyn Village Board voted on Monday to leave the tree at the center of this controversy and let the property owners to settle it as a civil matter. It's not our job to get in the middle of disputes between property owners, says the village president. Our job is to look at what is best for the village of Brooklyn and be safe for the people of Brooklyn. Here's what's not best for him. For Tree Guy to come out there with his gun and <laughs> take yeah, but, care of it himself. But that's on Tree Guy. That's not on Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah, that, but then, like, what's your resolution? Yeah, this, I mean, you have a civil argument, and there's a, the crazy part of this, right, where the, yeah. the guys uh, exhibited crazy behavior. So that complicates it. crazy. I like my tree. But I support... <laughs> 
I support the idea that you I have to let, let these things settle out. You know how many tree disputes there are in city? Every well, day so, there's something. So I, I firmly believe that it is up to these two parties yes, to figure this out. Yes, of course it is. Vin says the village needs to get involved. Only in the sense that you can bring them together yes. to, to have that's a conversation. So you would mediate. Broker the deal. I, I told mediate. you that's what he'd say. Often you know where this happens? Police departments. You, okay. and you, they bring in the people in a room and they say, okay, here's, here's what we got. And the mayor gets involved in that? If he has to. Oh, now, yeah. now, I'll tell you a real-life story. You guys would hold real arbitration? Real-life story. Huh? Real life story. <laughs> Two arbitration. Two people had an argument about a fence in okay. Oak Creek. Good. Did one of them have a gun there they, shooting Well, off? it didn't get that bad. They were <laughs> arguing back and forth. We, we had him mediated in a room with a detective. One of the individuals, who no longer lives there, threatened me. In front of a detective, the detective goes, you understand you just threaten the mayor of the city you're in right now. That's how crazy this stuff can get. So, I mean, I understand it's, but it's that's high why, tension, but that's that's life, man. I just don't see why that would be on the onus of the village president. It's not. You're trying to mediate things. You're trying to make sure that your community runs smoothly. You have to get yes. involved in stuff. You know, stand up and lead. Don't ever apologize to me. <laughs> Steve Scafidi's next on WTMJ.